confidence. He always guides me. Come on.
Well, good morning, Southview Baptist. How are we this morning? Glad to have you with us. Welcome to all of you. If you're a guest with us today, thank you for worshiping with us. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview, and it is so great to have you with us today. If you are a guest with us, as people are starting to make their way in and get settled, if you're a guest, you can just grab your cell phone right now and text the word CONNECT to our number on the screen. 910-424-1298. Just text CONNECT there. Uh, just so we can have a little bit of information and, and uh, touch base with you. Know how we can minister to you in the best way possible. We would love that. Because again, we are just so thankful and praise the Lord that you're here worshiping with us today. And for everyone else, we, before we get started worshiping together, I've got some big announcements for us. Our big three announcements for the week. Number one. New members class. We're going to start our next new members class in September. Uh, and so you can sign up for that by texting the word member to 910-424-1298. We do one a quarter, a, a session a quarter. It lasts for three weeks. It goes during the 930 hour, just this time right here. Uh, we meet in one of our classrooms off to the side. So if you want to sign up for that, text the word member to 910-424-1298. It doesn't obligate you for membership, but it, does, it is that process for membership. And you learn about who we are as a church and, and what it means to be a member here. So sign up for that if you're interested. Second, 24-hour uh, prayer. Uh, we're starting up in our prayer ministry what we're hoping to will become 24-hour prayer. To where 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, someone from our church is on their face before God always. So that the, uh, the, the candle, the light of prayer never goes out before the throne of God for us as a body. The scriptures tell us to pray without ceasing. And on a practical level, we think we can actually legitimately do that as a body. And so we encourage you to spend some time in prayer about that over the next couple of weeks. If that's something that you think you may be interested in being a part of. Uh, September 19th, Sunday, September 19th, after the 11 o'clock service, we're going to have a time to get together um, in one of our side rooms. Just to kind of talk about it, let you know what that would look like, provide a little information, and uh, see if we can start getting something like that set up and rolling. So be considering that, praying over that for the next few weeks. Uh, that'll be on September 19th. And then also, lastly, men's retreat. Our guys are putting together a retreat to Camp Caswell, October 22nd through the 24th. Uh, if you want to sign up for that, just text retreat uh, to our number as well, 910-424-1298. Just text retreat, and that'll get you signed up and set up for that. Uh, I think we already got a group of guys heading. Uh, it's good for ninth grade and up. So if you have a son you'd like to bring with you, ninth grade and up can be a part of the trip. And so uh, if you're interested in that, October 22nd through the 24th, sign up. For that, And for all other announcements that we have, you can download our app, Southview Baptist Church app, iTunes or Google Play. Through that, you're going to find out what's going on around here. You're going to be able to give online. We have two main ways to give. You can give through the app online, or you can give in our giving boxes as you leave the sanctuary today, whichever works best for you. Uh, but through that app, you're going to be able to give, find announcements, find a journey group, which we talk about this all the time, every week, be a part of a group. As summer has ended, we're rolling into the fall. We're starting up our new season for journey groups. Get plugged in. Find a group on the app and get plugged in. In fact, we have a new group starting on Thursdays. It's going to be September 9th, specifically for married couples. It's going to be a marriage class. Uh, if you're interested in that, uh, you can text the word marriage to our number again to sign up for that. But for all of our groups, 
find them online, find them on the app, get plugged in so that you can uh, really be encouraged in the Lord with those groups. They're just phenomenal. Uh, so as we start our day today, I want to read a scripture to us. Um, we're going to today celebrate communion together. Uh, we're going to be doing that at the end of our service time. And so we want to set the stage for that and get ready for that. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, listen to the word of the Lord. Here's how God speaks about his people taking part in this time communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As often as you do what we're about to do, take the bread, drink the cup, it says that you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That word proclaim literally means to, to preach. You're, and in just a few moments, every person in this room is going to become a preacher. Every person in this room is going to proclaim a message. And it says you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. What does that mean? Um, so if you've been a part of church for a long time, years, maybe even decades, there's no telling how many countless times you've done what we're going to do today. But I want to encourage you, this isn't one of those things that you do so often that it just becomes routine and mundane. When you do this, what we do today, you are proclaiming something powerful. You're proclaiming the Lord's death. What does that mean? You are, it's a, it's a literal visual reminder of the sacrifice Jesus gave to set you free from your sin. So when you take that bread and you take that cup today, you are preaching a message. You are proclaiming the fact that I am, sin has been taken from my life. I have been forgiven because of what Jesus has done for me. As you take the bread and you take the cup you're proclaiming the lord's death until he comes what you're doing is you're you're also you're searching your own heart and saying because i was set free through the death of jesus christ that means sin is a big deal it took the death of jesus to take it away from me so i need to search my heart to make sure there's nothing there you're proclaiming the lord's death you are searching your own heart to say is there anything in me jesus that still needs to be taken out in doing this together, it's so great because one of the great things about doing communion as a church together is we're together as one saying we're all unified through this. We have different thoughts and opinions about this and different thoughts and opinions about that. But the one thing that unifies us is every one of us is made new and right and holy and one through this. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are proclaiming a powerful message. When you take this bread and this cup in a few moments, you are preaching a message of how the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ has radically changed you and made you new. So I want to encourage you to bow your heads for me. I want to pray for us. And as we go into our worship time, I want, I want us to be in our hearts pointing in this direction, okay? Searching our hearts, asking the Lord to search our hearts, preparing ourselves, getting ready to preach, proclaim that Jesus Christ has made me new. That through his death, his burial, his resurrection, he has taken away my sin. He has filled me with his spirit. 
He's given me a brand new family of God. He's done all these powerful, amazing things in me. And this is our way today of acknowledging the fact that it's all because of Jesus and not because of me. So Lord, I pray today that you stir this up in us. It is all because of you, Jesus, and not because of us. We are proclaiming today the powerful message of the gospel. That Jesus Christ died in my place for my sin. Took God's wrath on me, on himself. In his place, he just gave me grace and love and friendship and adoption and sonship. And I am made new. We are proclaiming this powerful, powerful message. So prepare our hearts today to proclaim your gospel, Jesus. So we pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. Well, good morning, Southview. We're so excited to have you with us. We're going to be singing the song we introduced to you last week. So we invite you to stand and sing with us in a time of worship. Redeemed by His grace Let the house of the Lord sing 
the Lord today And we won't be quiet We shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord Our God is surely in this place And we won't be quiet We shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord There's joy in the house of the Lord today And we won't be quiet Shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Oh, we shout out your praise. Oh, we shout out your that is true. We continue to sing and celebrate church. Yes. Woo. Sing of his greatness today with me.
Lord, as we reflect on who you are and what you've done for us, God, I pray, I pray that this altar will be filled with people on their knees praying. God, that you have already released believers from sins and chains. And God, I pray that we would release ourselves. I pray that as we reflect on who Christ is, God, that as we kneel at the foot of the cross, that you would raise us up the way you raised your son up. That those that know you here today would, would turn ever closer to you, that we would realize the magnitude of who you are and your grace and your mercy and your holiness and your righteousness. And that you call believers to something greater than ourselves. And I pray for those here in this room that have never heard the gospel, who have never accepted it, that today will be the day that you would call them, that you would turn their hearts towards you. And they would say, yes, Lord, save me, God. Jesus is the only name that saves, the only way. Lord, have your way in this place today calls us to worship. In Christ's name we pray. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of Like 
Well, as I said to you at the beginning of our service, we're going to spend some time here today sharing in communion together in what I'd like to do is spend some time just kind of seeing how what we've seen so far in the book of Acts plays into all of that. But before we do that, I want to read a scripture to you again to, to prepare us, to get us ready. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Starting in verse 27, listen, listen to how the Bible talks to people who are about to do what we're about to do, okay? So, this is the Bible talking to you, all right? Listen to how God says we need to come at what we're going to be doing today. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. In essence, what the scripture is telling you is what we're going to do in a few minutes is not eating juice and crackers. Okay? This is something significantly more important. What you're about to do. So, so within Christian tradition, there are a few thoughts about what happens when we do the Lord's Supper, Communion, Eucharist, whatever you grew up calling it. Um, so, if you grew up in a Catholic tradition, um, even if you didn't know the word, uh, you believed in what's called transubstantiation. It's a big word. What that means is this. Um, Catholics believe that when you eat the bread and you drink the wine, we're Baptists, it's, it's Welch's. But when you eat the bread and you drink the wine, Catholic doctrine believes that it literally becomes the physical flesh and blood of Jesus inside your mouth. Right? It changes substance, transubstantiation. Others, if you grew up in um, uh, Lutheran, uh, Methodist, Presbyterian, something around in, in, in that area. Um, they believe what's called consubstantiation, which would mean that when you take the bread and you take the cup, it, it didn't actually turn into the body and blood of Jesus, but somehow the body and blood of Jesus were kind of still in there. Like it was there, but not there. It was, it was con, it was with it. 
And then if you grew up in what's called a free church tradition, Baptist, um, uh, a lot of your charismatic traditions, free church, Bible church, things like that, um, we believe in what's called symbolism. So it's, it's bread and, and the cup, and it doesn't change substances necessarily. But just for a second, if I can just push in on my tribe, okay? Um, I believe in, it is symbolic. I believe that's true. I believe that's what the scriptures would, would teach on that. But we've pushed so hard on the sim- symbolism about all that we lose the, the supernatural spiritual event of what's happening. Something powerful is taking place. So powerful that God says, doing it in the wrong way might just kill you. There are people who have died because it says they've taken it in what's called an unworthy manner. What that means is they've done it, as you read through that text that we read, without first truly examining their hearts. They just, they call themselves Christians, but they got all kinds of stuff in their heart that they know good and well is there, and they have no business dealing with, but they still pop a piece of bread in their mouth like they're eating a Tic Tac, and chug down a little three-ounce thing of juice, and call it a day. And the Bible says, you are eating and drinking God's judgment onto you. How we do this matters. So now, it is not in the word, nor am I saying this to scare you. Because what it also says is this, look, you, then the answer for this is you judge your own heart, right? You sit before the Lord, you judge your own heart, you ask God to reveal sin that is in your life. When he reveals it into your life, you repent of that right here, right now, sitting in this room and say, Jesus, I turn from that. I don't want that. I know you saved me from that. I'm done with that. And then you take the bread and you take the cup in a few moments, celebrating the forgiveness and grace of Jesus Christ. But brothers and sisters, don't skip that part. So I'm going to ask that you just bow your heads just for a moment. And I want us to begin by giving you a little bit of time to sit before the Lord and let Him speak to you. There isn't a person in this room who's perfect, uh, including the guy with the mic. So when I say check your heart, ask God to speak to you, to convict you of sin so that you can turn from that. The assumption that I have is that includes every human in the room, so no one is excluded here. This is all of us. Every one of us taking a few moments, setting our hearts before the Lord and saying, Lord, show me my heart, show me what's there, convict me of what you need to convict me of, and Holy Spirit, empower me to turn from that and say, Jesus, it is yours. I don't want it anymore. And thank God for his grace. So let's take a couple of minutes. You set before the Lord and ask him to search your heart.
Lord, I pray for us here this morning. I thank you, God, for your loving, gracious, merciful conviction. You convicting me of sin is not you doing that because you're angry with me. It's you doing it because you love me. So I pray, God, for every one of us in this room, as we sense your conviction on us, God, that we would not turn from that, we would not run from that, but, God, we will run to you, knowing that you're the only one who can do anything about it. Lord God, empower us to turn from our sin and turn to you. Empower us, Lord, to say no to sin and yes to you, Jesus. And as you convict us, I pray, God, that we would turn and see that you are better because we just want you more. And as we spend a little bit of time in your word here in a few moments, I pray, God, that you would continue to convict us, continue to speak to us. If there's anything that you desire to show us, do that. And I pray, God, at that very moment, don't wait. At that very moment, every one of us in this room will stop. Say, Jesus, I see that in my heart. Thank you for showing it to me. I confess it. Thank you for your forgiveness. Walk away from it. Do this in your people, Lord. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you have a Bible, let's find Acts chapter 20 together, all right? Acts 20. So between today and next week, we're actually going to be finishing the book of Acts. And I know you're thinking, well, my Bible has like eight more chapters after this, so what are we doing? Uh, the... What you see in Acts chapter 20 is a bit of a transition point. So it goes from following Paul in his ministry of planting churches as a missionary church planter. And chapters 21 through 28 in essence are just uh, a journal of the Apostle Paul on his way to Rome. right? And so 21 through 28 is, is Paul getting arrested on trial getting sent somewhere else, on trial, getting sent somewhere else, on trial, boom, I'm going to Rome, right? So that's basically all of chapters 21 through 28. And so we're going to kind of take a look at that next week and see what that means for us as Acts is concluding. Paul is on his way to Rome, proclaiming the glories of Jesus even under condemnation of death and what that means for us as the people of God today. And today kind of, kind of wrapping up the first 20 chapters uh, with communion is just so perfect. So in chapter 20, what you see is last week in chapter 19, Paul is in Ephesus. He's preaching there. Things go crazy, but Paul stays. He preaches. He proclaims. He disciples. All kinds of people are getting saved. City gets flipped upside down. Amazing things are happening for God's glory. And then in chapter 20, we see Paul step away from there and start doing some traveling. And it says in the beginning of chapter 20, going around encouraging the believers. Right. So he's going around to the Christians that he's already led to faith, already discipled, already started churches. And he's encouraging these Christians, lifting them up in the Lord. And then as you keep going through chapter 20, you see him as he's making this trip, encouraging Christians. you got this really neat story where the Apostle Paul, he's got some Christians. 
Christians gathered in, in a room. And he's preaching to them. And evidently, um, it's biblical to be a long-winded preacher because Paul did it. And so in chapter 20, you got this amazing story of Paul preaching. And he's preaching long, all night, to the point where you got this teenager, this kid. He's sitting in the windowsill listening to Paul preach. But Paul's going so long that the kid nods off. Not that that ever has happened to me. True story, I was doing a, a revival one time, and a guy in the back was, um, so the way it worked, small little church, and the back pew went all the way up against the back wall, and a guy just sat in the back pew and put his head back and just started to go to sleep, but he started snoring loud, right, and then the, so I'd try to preach louder to get over top of him, and he'd just snore louder, right, and then I'd preach louder, and he'd snore louder, and so the whole rest of the time was just us, like, out-dueling one another, so I, I take courage, because the same thing happened to Paul. So this kid falls asleep in the windowsill, falls out of the window, falls down three stories, lands on the ground below, and dies. Right? I mean, at least people falling asleep for me, no one's died. So this kid falls out, hits the ground, dead. Everybody is rightly freaking out. But I love the Apostle Paul. He goes downstairs to this kid, not upset. Not concerned, just simply looks at the young man and says, no, 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 his life is still in him. Well, he's dead. There is no life in him. He, he just fell from three stories. He's dead. No, 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 he's okay. Leans over him, prays, kid is resurrected, comes back to life again. Amazing moral of the story there is uh, no matter how dead it looks, um, God raises from the dead. And just like the Apostle Paul, you don't have to be freaked out and worried. Because you're looking at your situation, your circumstance, whatever, your marriage, your kids, your fill in the blank, and it feels dead, be of good faith. Do not worry. Don't freak out. Trust the Lord. God raises from the dead. And so after that, the Apostle Paul circles back around again, and he reunites with the elders from Ephesus. So he circles back around and gets back into Ephesus. And, and when he does that, he meets with just the elders, not the whole group. He asks the elders to come meet him at a separate location, and he sits with the elders, and he spends some time pouring into them. And he encourages them with a couple of things. Number one, he encourages them with, bad things are going to happen to your church. I'm encouraged. People from among your eldership, leaders in your church are going to rise up, and they're going to be like wolves seeking to devour you. But what I want us to focus on as he's... As he's teaching these elders and encouraging these elders and instructing these elders, it all hinges on really one verse. One verse is kind of the foundation that he's giving all the other teaching. And really it's the foundation for everything that we've seen in the book of Acts. All right, so Acts chapter 20, verse 28. It's the only verse we're going to read out of Acts 20 today. Acts 20, verse 28 is kind of the foundation for it all. Listen to what he says to them. Pay careful attention to yourselves. And to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Pay careful attention to yourself and the whole church, the flock that God has given you. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. That last line, that last little phrase, which he obtained with his own blood. That's what lines up perfectly with where we're going to be today. And what I want to do just for a couple of minutes is take some time to pull out some practical applications of what this means for us. 
When it says there in chapter 20, verse 28, he obtained with his own blood. The word obtained means to buy something for yourself, right? So you, you're not just buying for someone else. You're not just buying necessities. You're, you're going, you're shopping, you're finding something you really, really, really want. And you're spending an exorbitant amount of money to buy it for yourself. And that is the way God describes the cross and you. The cross was not just about Jesus hanging on the cross and dying for your sins. Absolutely, that is all is true. But, but what's happening here, according to verse 28, is in that God is literally purchasing you, re- redeeming you, obtaining you for himself. God went shopping for you. God went and spent his own blood to buy you for himself. So what does this mean for us? I'm going to give you four things just to kind of think through as we transition into our communion time. One is this. Your forgiveness has nothing to do with you. God's forgiveness of you has literally nothing to do with you. Ephesians 1.7. In him, Jesus, we have redemption Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Your forgiveness has nothing to do with you. And this is an extremely significant point. Here's why. There are people in this room right now, this second, who are struggling to walk in all the fullness God has for you because you still are thinking you're not worthy of it. Let me just encourage you. You're not That's the point. The only thing you bring to the table is your sin. That's it. You are not worthy of forgiveness. You are not worthy of God's grace. That's why it's called grace. And when we, the Holy Spirit, allows us to understand this point, it is life-changing because you are spending so much time and energy and effort trying to be worthy of something you're never going to be worthy of. The whole point of Christianity is you receive from God what is just an absolute free gift from Him. That's it. Your forgiveness has nothing to do with you. Who did the obtaining? God. He obtained with his own blood. Uh, Tullian Chavigian uh, is the grandson of Billy Graham. Tullian, about 10 years ago, was a superstar in the Christian world. Right? I mean, his granddad's Billy Graham. Uh, He became the pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. If you've been following church world for decades, that's where uh, Dr. James Kennedy was the pastor. He took over when Dr. Kennedy stepped down, had an international ministry. I mean, the guy was, I mean, as goofy as this sounds, the guy was a Christian rock star. He was everywhere. He was the guy. And then one random day I opened up my phone and Twitter's blowing up because it's been discovered that both Tullian and his wife have been engaging in extramarital affairs and trying to cover it all up. And everything implodes for him. He went from the the hottest thing in evangelicalism To a dude with leprosy. No one wanted to touch him. 
and you think it's bad to go through sin in your family and people just in your family have to see you, imagine having your world, ex- your life explode and the entire world gets to watch it and then post about it. This was Tullian. I don't know him personally, but a dear friend of mine is one of the guys that he reached out to to try to help get his life back together. And as my buddy spent time with him and encouraged him and poured into him, sort of the, the, the interactions back and forth between them, Tullian said something amazing. I just want, the reason I want to say this is because I want you to hear the words of a guy who had the entire, I mean, everything out in front of him. And he crashed and burned spectacularly. But as a result of his crashing and burning, he understood this point better than he ever had in his entire life. He had to hit the bottom before this point really hit home. Listen to how Tullian, after all of this, described how he now understands the amazingness of Christianity. Listen to what he says. Christianity is not for good people who try hard. Christianity is for bad people who finally give up and throw themselves on the forgiving mercy of Jesus. The gospel, in other words, is not good advice for good people. It is good news for bad people. Believe it or not, Christianity is not about good people getting better. If anything, it is good news for bad people coping with their failure to be good. This is the gospel. The gospel is you and I finally admitting, I am bad. I don't just do bad things. I am personally bad. I am a sinner. And I can't fix my life. I have an entire, for me personally, I have 43 years of experience pointing to the fact that I can't fix me. And Christianity is about you coming to that realization and saying, that's Good news. That's not the bad news. That's the good news. You can't fix you. So Jesus comes and saves you and makes you new. You've heard the illustration of of the gospel as you're swimming and, and you're starting to drown and you can't save yourself. And Jesus, the lifeguard, came swooping in and saved you from the pool and brought you out, and that's you getting saved. That's actually not the gospel. The gospel is not that you were trying your best to swim but just couldn't do enough. And Jesus had to come in and save you because you just couldn't quite get there. The gospel is this. You've already drowned and you're floating face down in the pool. You're dead. You have no life in you at all. And Jesus comes, drags your lifeless body out of the pool, and breathes life into you. You bring nothing to the table. What communion shows us is, as we take the bread and we take the cup, we are saying, I bring nothing to the table. It is all Jesus and none of me. None of me. The second thing that I think you see in this is 
You belong to God and not yourself. Right? Because he says there in verse 28, he obtained, he purchased, he bought with his own blood. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, you are not your own. You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You don't belong to you anymore. Jesus bought you. You now belong to him. When you wake up in the morning, do you wake up with this thought process, this mindset of, I no longer belong to me. I'm not mine. I belong to Jesus. Therefore, everything I do and everything I say and everything I think and everywhere I go, the things that I do, the things that I don't do, it's all based on what Jesus desires for me because he is the one who purchased me. He owns me. You don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to him. Jesus bought you and redeemed you so that you can now belong to him and live a life that brings glory and honor to him. As you think about your life, as you walk through your life, what's the most important thing? What comes to your mind first? What you want, what you desire, what you're seeking, or God as the owner of your soul, the one who purchased you, what he desires for you. Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, the whole point of this, as we take this, what we're reminding ourselves of is, I don't belong to me. Jesus bought me. And this is the, the, the symbol of what it cost Jesus to save me. You don't belong to you. You belong to him. It's not about what you want for your life, for your marriage, for your kids, for your career. It's not about what you want anymore. It is only what brings glory and honor to God. What does he want for you? Third thing I want you to see as we look at the scripture. Leaders, specifically here at Southview, listen to me. If you're a leader here, you need to take this time to examine your own heart and life. As you look at verse 28, it's really important to notice, as the Apostle Paul is concerned about the Ephesian church and wants to see God glorified in the Ephesian church and cares about the future of the Ephesian church, the first thing he does is look at the leaders, the elders of the Ephesian church, and say, you men, check your hearts first. So I just want to take just a second. I think it would be a grave injustice for us to scoot past verse 28 and not do the exact same thing for us. This is true not just for pastors, it's true for pastors here, but for journey group leaders, ministry leaders, anyone who serves and volunteers in any capacity at all. I need you to hear me. You need to take this time today to search your heart, especially you. Because in verse 28, again, pay careful attention to yourselves. The very first thing he said, you as leaders, look in your hearts first. Then the rest of the flock. And this is extremely important, and here's, here's why. Here's what I've come to realize in my own walk as a Christian leader. It is really, really, really easy to fall away from fellowship with God as a Christian leader serving in the church. Here's why. Just track with this. If you're a leader in any way, see if this resonates. You spend so much time and energy and effort concerning yourself with other people's lives and other people's sin 
and other people's issues and other people's marriages and other people's problems. It's, you've been spend so much time and energy and effort focusing on them because you want to be a good leader. You want to be a good servant. You want to be a good journey group leader. You want to be a good ministry leader. You want to be a good deacon. So you're constantly checking and you're constantly ministering and making sure everything's good with them. And in that process of focusing on them, we neglect the very thing the Apostle Paul told them to do in verse 28. Look out for your own heart. Check your own heart. So for our leaders today, as your pastor, listen to me. Do not let this be one of a thousand times you've done this today. You've done this over and over and over and over and over in the decades you've been a Christian and a church leader and a this and a that. Today I want to encourage you, just like the Apostle Paul told the Ephesian leaders, I encourage you, take this time today to significantly search your hearts, maybe like you haven't in a very long time. Is there unforgiveness? Is there bitterness? Is there division? Is there hidden sin? Is there selfishness? Is there pride? Is there jealousy? That ministry is getting noticed and my ministry isn't. And I used to be more and more important and now other people are leading. Is there something in your heart that needs to be checked? They were told you need to check your heart first. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Check your own heart first. And then the last thing I want you to see. What are you doing? To see others become God's possession. Revelation 5.9 says, By your blood, Jesus, you ransom people from every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus Christ gave his blood not just for you, but for them. People from all over this world. There are hundreds of thousands of people in our community. Jesus Christ gave his blood to save them. What are we doing? How are you, who are you praying for? How are you ministering? Who are you connecting with? Who are you, in, who are you sharing your testimony with? Who are you sharing the gospel with? How are you seeking to care for and pray for and see the gospel go to the ends of the earth? Jesus Christ did this not just for us. He's not just buying us, but he's seeking to buy them as well into his possession, into the family of God, into sonship with our great God. What are we doing to see them come to faith? I'm going to ask Pastor Scott to join me up on stage. And we're going to transition over into our time of communion. And as we do this, I want to encourage you to bow your heads for me just for a moment. As I read earlier, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. What we do right now, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. There's going to come a day Jesus is going to come back for us. And what also this represents, it's just a little foretaste. It's an appetizer, if you will, of the marriage supper of the Lamb we're going to have with Jesus. So as you take this, you are searching your own heart. You're praising Jesus for his forgiveness and grace on you. You're looking forward ahead to what this is going to mean for you in heaven with Jesus forever. 
I want to encourage you to take some time and I want you to, to search your hearts. Do you understand that when, when Jesus shed his blood to obtain you, to buy you, to ransom you, He's forgiving you, and His forgiveness of you has nothing to do with you. All you do is receive it. All you do is say, yes, Jesus, thank you. Have you received? Have you received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ? If you have not today, I encourage you to do that. Jesus Christ came, He died, and He rose again so that you can be forgiven. And that forgiveness has nothing to do with your worthiness of it. You're not. That's the point. Realize today, you're not worthy of it, but God desires to pour that on you even still. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, do you live your life today as a possession of God? Purchased by Him through the blood of Jesus Christ, and now living every day to bring glory and honor to Him and to Him alone. Take just a moment. Sit before the Lord. Again, ask Him to search your heart if there's anything that you are to confess to Him. But then also, just take some time here this morning before we jump into our communion. And praise Jesus for His grace. Praise Jesus for His death, burial, and resurrection. Praise Jesus that He makes you new. Praise Jesus that He does all of this just as an act of His absolute free grace. And it's nothing to do with you. Just let that well up in your hearts, brothers and sisters. Because that is, that will make you explode with joy. That will make you explode with praise This is what God does for you, completely apart from your worthiness of it. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Take just a minute. Sit before the Lord. when all hope seemed lost Love opened the door for us and said come to the table Come join the sinners who have been redeemed Take your place beside 
Lord Jesus, as we take the bread today and take the cup, we pray, God, your blessings on these elements. God, on one hand, this is just some bread and some juice. Okay, that's true. But, but the scriptures speak of, of things being way more than what they look like. And as we take this today, I pray, God, that what will be in our hearts is that this is way more than just that. We are proclaiming your death, Jesus, until you come back. This is our way of, as a group, every one of us individually and together as a group saying, we are who we are only because of Jesus. We have been forgiven and made right only because of Jesus. We are set free from sin only because of Jesus. And there's going to come a day where we get to be with him forever. And we are doing this remembering and looking forward longingly to that day. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to do this. Thank you for giving this to us. And bless this time. In your name, Jesus. Amen. On the back of the pew in front of you, you should have a cup that looks like this. Um, if you do not have one for whatever reason, we have some up front. You are welcome to come up. That's completely fine. You can come forward and grab one if you need one. There, there's two parts to it. You have a little part on top that'll bring out the bread. And then the purple will open the juice. So first we start with the bread. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23, the, the Apostle Paul explaining what he was taught by Jesus about this. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So likewise for us, we take our bread. And it says that he gave thanks. So Jesus, this is exactly what we do as well. We give thanks today. We thank you, Jesus, that your body was broken. 
We thank you, Jesus, that not only was your body broken, but Lord, it was broken for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for allowing your body to be broken for me. We take this today, remembering, Lord, your sacrifice to set us free and make us new. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Take Verse 25 says, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. What this cup symbolizes is this new covenant relationship we have with Jesus. The fact that he has taken away our sins, made us sons and daughters of God, have perfect standing with God now, not because of our work, not because of our effort, not because of our good deeds, but solely and just because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf. So Jesus, we thank you for your blood. We thank you, Jesus, for this new covenant, this new relationship that you have created between us and God that allows us to be sons and daughters of God just by grace. I pray for everyone in this room that as we take this right now at this moment, what will flood our hearts and our minds is the fact that we are children of God because of what this represents, the spilt blood of Jesus on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus, for spilling your blood in the place that we should have spilled ours, for dying in our place so that we Thank you, Jesus. We love you. It's in this name we pray. Amen. Take and drink. I'm going to ask our band to join us back on stage. We're going to end our time together worshiping. Worshiping Jesus Christ who has done all of this and made us new. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. We thank you, Jesus, that you broke your body for us, spilt your blood for us to make us new. We ask you, Jesus, that in this room with these people, right now that Lord you would stir up in us deeper greater stirring affections for you as we proclaim your death as we proclaim your sacrifice as we remember what you did on our behalf I ask you Jesus that love and affection and desire and zeal and passion for you wells up in us because of the gift that you gave us your life Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name.
Amen. Stand with us as we sing, church. Behold the greatness of our Lord, Jesus the Christ.
Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your life. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice and for your victorious resurrection. Jesus Christ, you reign forevermore. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done, are continuing to do, and will forever do in us, your people, because of your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Real quick, guys, before you go, two quick housekeeping things. Number one is this. Uh, this afternoon, 6 o'clock today, we're going to have a memorial service for Bob Slattery. Bob's a longtime member here of our church. Uh, passed away uh, a week or so ago. We're going to have that service this afternoon at 6 o'clock right here. If you know Bob, I encourage you to come and be a part of that. Second is this, a uh, quick housekeeping thing. If you have children in children's ministry as you uh, leave today, we encourage you, if you can kind of scoot on and get those kids and then come back and talk, that would be great. Um, so we can make that transition over to the next class. That would be fantastic. All right. Love you guys so much. Have a great week.